Welcome to the Como Factor Podcast, where the conversations are authentic, the stories are inspirational, and people-centric transformation is always on the agenda. I'm your host, Christine Strobush. And I'm Sonal Trevetti. This episode promises to be an energy-filled conversation that will inspire, energize, and provide thought-provoking moments for you. We're honored to host our extraordinary guest today, Gerd Bomber. Gerd was born in the charming and beautiful city of Salzburg, Austria. His transformation journey has taken him to multiple countries and cities across the globe and provided him with one-of-a-kind experiences in both his personal and professional life. After graduating with a Master of Business Administration, Gerd started working in the electronics industry with Flextronics International in 1997. He later moved to Advantage Austria, which is Austria's official trade promotion organization. He then moved back to the private sector in 2007. Gerd headed the subsidiary of the Austrian healthcare company, VAMED, and was based in Milan, Italy. Several years later, he returned to Advantage Austria and was posted to Doha, Qatar, to open a new office there from where he was transferred to Bucharest, Romania. Gerd is also the visiting professor at the German-speaking department, Fabes, of ASE, the University of Economic Studies in Bucharest, Romania. Today, this dynamic leader will also share with us how mindset is crucial in navigating your transformational journey and offer us his learnings from his incredible transformation journey. Welcome to the Como Factor podcast, Gerd. It's so great to see you again and have you on our podcast today. Hi, Sonal. Hi, Christine. Thank you very much for having me on the Como Factor podcast. Very much looking forward to the next hour. This is going to be a great conversation. I can feel it. So, Gerd, um, one of the things that we love to start our conversation with our guests is asking them the question, if your life story were to be published in a book, what would the book title be and what would the book cover say? <laughs> uh, well, I don't really know what to say right now, but I think that the book title would be something like, um, yeah, um, live every day like it's your last one or be optimistic and have fun. Work hard, party hard might actually be the one that might fit it the best. Work hard, party hard. See, I got a title for my autobiography right now. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about who Gerd really is outside of the introduction um, that I provided? Well, yeah, I've been living abroad for 24 years. I'm more or less an international citizen. If you ask me where I'm from, which is the country of Austria in the middle of Europe, I would always say I'm kind of a European or I'm kind of a citizen of this planet. Um, so I'm you know, 51 years old, having been abroad for 24 years, living and working abroad. And I loved it very much. And I came back to Austria right now, about a month ago. Uh, for me, something completely new, a completely new experience. No idea about what Austria is like right now, <laughs> as I've always worked with a focus on the countries where I've been in. Um, so I've worked in electronics industry. I've worked in healthcare industry uh, for several years, but most of my time I've worked in kind of internationalization of companies. 
and um, it's basically a consulting job that I've done. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm still. And I love it so much. Yeah, I think you're truly downplaying how international you really are. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this man, listeners, has traveled all over the world, uh, has just immersed himself in so many different uh, cultures. And um, tell us, you know, what's what's been your favorite country so far to, to, to live in or to spend time in? Well, as I always say, you know, it depends on whether you like it where you are and whether you do what you can do in the country, then it's going to be a positive experience. Uh, because if you go somewhere and you expect to do what you're, you know, what you know from at home, it's not going to be such a positive experience. So to be honest with you, I liked it everywhere. I've been on three continents. I've been <laughs> in several countries, so you might be right. Um, and I liked it basically everywhere. I've been, uh, I've, I've been living in the US, in uh, Finland, in Latvia, in Italy, in the Arab Gulf. Um, and then I moved to Romania. And three months after I moved to Romania, I said to my friends, well, guys, I was coming home now. Uh, so in terms of where my heart is, it's definitely Romania. It's definitely the country where I, you know, enjoyed it most, um, kind of the combination of work and life. Um, I had a very interesting job. I had uh, very interesting activities besides the job. Um, I had a big transformational experience in, in Romania. Um, it's been a long time, but in terms of my heart, my personality, I really fit to Romania. Romania fit me, and this was the country where I enjoyed it the most. I love it. And I actually met you for the first time in Romania, and uh, I would definitely say that uh, the country suits you, or you suit the country. <laughs> <laughs> that could be seen, yes, I know. Yes, yes. And um, certainly you're extremely knowledgeable about um, just the country, the economy, uh, the, the connections you have there. Uh, it's it's really, really incredible. So maybe before we dive into uh, your personal transformation story, could you tell us a little bit about what your current life goals are? I mean, you've achieved so much already, you know, in, in the first half of your life. And it's, it's really remarkable. Uh, but what's next for you? What are some of the life goals that you've got for yourself? Well, you started it as the, you know, first half of my life. I said to my friends, you know, the first third of my life is finished now with 50. <laughs> so I start the second third of my life, which is going to start all over again. It's going to be a new start. It's going to be fresh. Um, and it's going to be full of energy and full of power. And I guess this is what I really want. Um, I have, I guess I may say so, I have shown and proven that in what I do, I'm pretty good. Um, my performance was always pretty nice. So I don't have to repeat that over and over again, is it? So I could also go into something new and uh, this is a transformation that uh, might happen to me, might have happened already. I might be in the middle of everything, but I had a lot of learnings in that sector. So um, for me, the thing is, you know, you're never you're never too old. In Romania, they say age is only a number. And uh, I would really like to to restart with something uh, that I've not done so far. And uh, one of the things, in my opinion, is uh, being self-employed, having your own company. That will be a real goal, in my opinion, in my life. I got another 20 years full of energy, and I want to use this energy uh, not only, you know, to 
care for my kids and love my kids, but also in terms of uh, to develop something new, maybe um, to develop myself. So there's so many different aspects to you aside from just your professional uh, life. You also do a lot of extreme sports, right? Uh, <laughs> what is extreme? Well, I, I didn't know extreme until I met you and uh, <laughs> saw the kind of uh, sporting you do on your bikes and uh, just, you know, uh, all over the place. So tell us a little bit about uh, how you, you know, spend time outside of uh, the professional workspace. Well, if you come to if you come to sports, um, I grew up in a ski area, and uh, that means that I was like we call it. I was born with skis on. With about two and a half years of age, my parents put me on the skis. They pushed me off the slope and said, "Like this is how you do it. Go." <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I started very early in. So skiing and snowboarding is still some of my favorite sport, uh, which I like very much. But then about twenty years ago. I started kite surfing. Uh, to be honest, I started kite surfing on frozen lakes in Finland. So much for if you do what you can do there, you're gonna like it. Yeah. So you don't have to have a warm sea and uh, palm trees in order to start kite surfing, but you can start, um, yeah, using your kite and the skis on the frozen lakes. And that's what I did, and that's where I started kite surfing, which helped me a lot um, in terms of personal development because with the sports you can focus a lot, you can learn a lot. And um, what I learned with kite surfing is actually that, um, you know, all your body will always follow your head. So what your head does is what your body will follow and will do. And there I learned with rotations and all the other stuff that you actually have to do it and you have to be committed. Yeah, then you learn it and you can do the rotations. And then later on, and I guess this is what you refer to, uh, with uh, 48 years of age, I had the glorious idea, I might call it now, to go into hard enduro with the motorcycles. And I've, uh, I'm have i already finisher, two times finisher of uh, uh, the lower two classes of five classes of the longest and toughest hard enduro rally in the world, the Red Bull Romaniacs. And there I had to develop a lot with sports where I learned that actually your head will follow your eyes and your eyes will follow your thoughts. So it all starts with goals. It all starts somewhere else. Um, you have to set your goals and you have to make a plan with it. And then you have to, you know, tell your brain like positive programming. You have to tell your brain what to do. And from there, you're going to get it to your eyes. Your eyes will give the direction. Your head will follow the eyes and your body will follow the head. So this is something that I learned there. Plus, you have to be committed. And I learned there also to work much more with fear and with risk. And I'll give you two examples now. From kite surfing, I was born and raised in the mountains in a ski area. So you can imagine what my approach to the ocean was. <laughs> um, like, what is underneath there? I don't know. Is this good for me? Is there kind of one of those uh, animals with the many teeth in the mouth and they're going <laughs> to come for me? And that's when I had to face one of my fears um, and where I said, either you have fear or fun. And I decided for fun. So I learned that fear is just an indicator that you might change something. And one of the things that I did there is just analyze the situation. And you find out how many shark attacks happen in the, in, in, in the world in the year. And then you say like, okay, this is not going to be my problem, especially if you don't kite surf or surf wherever they are. So this is one of the learnings that I had. And then with Hard Enduro, I had like um, many more learnings, which I actually took over to, to my 
also professional life, private life, professional life, where you could see that, you know, you have a lot of risks and you learn that those risks that you have are actually, they're there, but they're not bad per se. Risk mm. is only bad if you don't know about it and you cannot mitigate it. So the most important thing is focus, try to analyze the situation, try to find out what are the risks that you're facing, work with your fears as an indicator to change something and then mitigate the risks. So this is what you do. This is what I learned a lot with sports and not that much with professional life. I guess in sports it was much more important to have this development, um, to have success. And yeah, that's where I am. And I think that I could take a lot of that uh, into my professional life. Very cool. And typically, I mean, with the type of professions that you've had, you know, people tend to be very conservative, right? Um, in terms of taking the kind of risks that that you've had, but I really um, appreciate kind of the thoughtfulness behind, you know, just really um, asking yourself, is this for fear or, or for fun? And I think you've learned a lot um, clearly out of, out of these uh, different extreme sports that you've done. Um, when you initially kind of faced a fear, right? Because as humans, like it's, it's only natural um, to do that until you train yourself, like you said, um, to really look at it from a different perspective. How did you handle, you know, um, that initial fear of, of the unknown, um, aside from like clearly like doing the risk analysis, as you said, um, what emotions were kind of going through your mind, you know, um, as you would, uh, approach like the fear aspect and were there any tools that you really leverage um, to get out of that mindset? Well, I guess basically one of the things that you have to look at is I'm a very rational person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so I always tend to analyze things. And this was what I did at the time when I said, okay, um, either you want to think about sharks or you want to think about jumping with a kite. Yeah? And um, then I decided for the jumping. But I also had um, self-rescue two kilometers out of the coastline of Greece somewhere. And um, I was all alone. <laughs> Um, and this is this gives you like 45 minutes of rethinking the whole process. So mm. going through it once is maybe one of the most important things. So you can analyze a lot if you don't come into the situation where you struggle because the wind was all of a sudden off. The wind forecast was perfect. I was out there. We went out. We did a downwind. Uh, we went out like one, two kilometers because then the wind is more stable and stronger. And all of a sudden, like within two minutes, the wind was gone. Um, so my kite was in the water and I had to do a self-rescue. Um, and it took me, I guess, about 45 minutes. Um, and then you, you know, you pedal with your feet just to stay on top. You have to roll up all your lines. You have to clean up all the stuff. And this is where you actually start thinking about it, that you say like, you know, this is where you can, where you can work best with your fear in the situation itself. Um, yeah. and this is where I also understood that, Actually, nothing is going to happen to me. And it's just what I told myself. And in the end, after 45 minutes uh, or 30 minutes, I was in the kite. Um, I mean, you put the kite in a special situation. You also learn that everybody talks about self-rescues and nobody has done it ever in the open sea with waves and everything. <laughs> this is mm -hmm. when I always tell people first do it, then talk about it. <laughs> um, but then you're you're in the kite. I was resting a bit and and 
this is more, most likely, let's say like this, this was my best experience when it comes to that. So I really had to work with it. And I was in the situation, there was no way out. Um, I forced myself into it. And then in the end, since then, it's completely gone. Um, for me, it's just fun anymore. And it's most likely kitesurfing is the sport for me that relaxes me the most in the brain. So if I go kitesurfing for one, two hours, and then I go back to the beach and have one beer, then I'm like, you know, I didn't work for a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that was the result, actually being in the situation, having to deal with it. And uh, seeing that, yeah, well, your analysis was right. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. But it's also kind of um, not intuitive, right? A lot of people, they tend to talk about things like when people train for the marathon, you know, you hear them talking constantly about um, how much mileage they're going to put on, like in terms of their training. And it's people don't necessarily just dive right into it. So it's almost like, it's not very into, it's almost reverse. Um, right. And for you, um, you talked about the kite surfing, um, and and skiing. I think every Austrian is born with skis like on their feet (laughs) (laughs) pretty much you're born and here you go. Here's your pair of skis now figure it out. But there's also this extreme motorbiking. Um, where does this like, hunger and passion come from uh, to to do these extreme sports? I don't, I don't know. Um, to be honest with you, I guess I live a bit of the adrenaline and the endorphins. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, really cool feeling in my opinion when adrenaline kicks in and uh, or your body gives you endorphins which gives endorphins in different ways but one of them of course is like you know the uh, first the adrenaline the like when you're in there and when you do stuff that you've never done before you achieve it and then you have the success then you get all the endorphins and the feeling is just great yeah the other thing is i personally enjoy very much doing sports up to a point where you're exhausted um and the feeling afterwards it's such a good feeling for me, so I enjoy it very much. Um, but Harendur is like, you know, it, it didn't come by itself. Um, the organizer of the Red Bull Romaniacs is uh, one of my good friends. <laughs> I helped mm-hmm. him a lot to organize it in 2020. It was the only big sports event that uh, was pulled off in Romania. And I came to I came to the race. It was the five days race. And then afterwards, we sat together. We had chats with friends of ours. And in the evening, I had the glorious idea to tell him next year, I'm going to do it. I'm going to race. And he was like, yeah, I always wanted to see how someone who has, I didn't have motorcycle experience, no motorcycle driver's license, no nothing at all, no hard enduro experience. And then he said like, yeah, I would always like to see, I always wanted to see how someone who has no experience, but is really ambitious and motivated is going to do. And... uh, I guess my daughter was the only one that asked uh, the right questions always. <laughs> and she asked me, like, why would you do that, Dad? And for me, the most important thing in there is not the sport itself, not the potential to hurt yourself or something or getting into the finish, but setting a goal that you can definitely not achieve right now in that situation, which will take a lot of effort will take months of preparation or maybe a year or two years of preparation, hard work, but then you can uh, you can actually perform and you can achieve your goal. And this is kind of a really, really cool experience in my opinion. So I like that. Um, I've done it also in other situations. So I've started things where I knew 
I can't do it at the moment. Mm. And there was one of them, um, and there were others as well. And my my daughter always asked me, like, why would you do that? And most people always ask me, like, why would you, you know, why would you push yourself so hard? Why would you push yourself so far? I think I think you know if uh, if you don't risk to fail, you don't develop. If you mm. don't, if you want to develop, you have to go for something new. You have to go in unknown territory for you um, with new tools. Um, new things you have to learn, new knowledge you have to build up. And yeah. I like the experience of actually being able to achieve it, being able to do it, getting to the goal. But it doesn't matter. I don't want to scare anyone because in my opinion, achieving all your goals just means that you've set them too low. <laughs> so set goals that are high enough that you also fail. Yeah. So it was one of the experiences in my office in Romania where mm -hmm. I came into the office and in one of the first office meetings, I told all my people, I want you to fail. <laughs> and they were looking at me with like big open eyes, a bit shocked. Like, what is this guy talking here? And I told them, because if you don't fail, it means that you're in your comfort zone. Mm. You do only things that you're really good at, but you're in your comfort zone. And we want to do new stuff. We want to develop something, which means we have to leave our comfort zone. And leaving the comfort zone means failing as well. And as we talk about personal transformation, I personally think that with the failures, um, the failures taught me much more than the successes in my life. My biggest defeats were my biggest development opportunities that I had. And I seized several of them, in my opinion. So um, I was always investing into stocks for a long, long time. And in 2008-9, exactly the strategy that made money before cost me money all of a sudden. I was massively angry about myself, but then I started to analyze much more and the results in personal development that I had were absolutely worth it. Every penny that I lost, <laughs> as weird as it might seem, sound. Are there any tools that you use? Because it's hard, you know, when when you do um, face like such challenges, right? And I mean, obviously, you're absolutely correct in, in saying that, you know, it makes you stronger, more resilient. You learn from it, you move on. But um, sometimes, too, you know, our, our natural emotions take over. And how, like, what, what are some some tools or advice that you would give to our listeners that, or maybe, you know, currently embarking on something challenging and difficult and maybe haven't quite hit that success, you know, point yet. Um, what tools would you offer them um, to be able to navigate that and, and be able to stay calm and patient? Do something, get the aggression, get the energy out and then focus again on something positive. Try to see something positive, um, but face the situations. Um, don't run away from the situations, face them. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to go through every situation. It doesn't mean that you have to learn everything, but you have to be, you have to feel comfortable. And sometimes maybe also, I don't know, um, reflecting more about it or reading about it helps a lot. Um, when when I started reading about Bob Proctor and the higher faculties, and he started with uh, uh, intuition, will, and so on, perception. 
and you think about it and you you project itself to, um, to yourself you reflect about yourself which is like you know we don't we don't do that way enough we we do it very little actually reflection about ourselves and then you hear about or you you learn about the intuition and the will and then you find out that you're actually a very intuitive person with a very very strong will a very strong mind um if you're aware of who you are i guess it's much better to use all your abilities, all your positive sides. Um, but we talked about the transformational process and how we got into talking about everything before actually the podcast um, was that I have done a program um, in a sector where I've always been active since university. I've always done a lot. I had my successes, had a lot of successes. I had setbacks, several setbacks. Um, I had the opportunity to learn a lot. Um, but, you know, I did not reflect enough about myself, my development, why do I do this? And so I did a four-month program, which was actually a factual program about something um, uh, where where I wanted to develop my professional skills as I thought that my skills are unprofessional. And what I had to find out is in that program about professional skills, it was actually a learning journey for my self-awareness. And you just recently completed that program, right, Gerd? Not too long ago. Kind of June, yeah, mid of June. Yeah, which is amazing because a man of your experience and just, again, worldly knowledge and, you know, even just like the roles that you've had in the past professionally, as well as um, just navigating some of these personal things, to be able to have that light bulb moment to, you know, say to yourself, like, I, I want to work on myself further and develop myself further is just pretty, pretty incredible and very humbling, um, quite honestly. So what prompted you, you know, um, how did you get clarity that you needed to perhaps, you know, do this, this type of work? Like, how did you, how did you get that clarity? Clearly, because I tangled up in discussions. I tried to explain people why I do this and that. And my explanations were neither good enough for them nor for myself. I, I said, you know, I, I don't have an investment thesis. I do it this way, I do it that way. I, you know, I invest into people, I invest into business models. This is what I trust in, but I could never properly explain it. So I did the four-month program and, and since then I can clearly explain to you what I do, why I do it, why it is like this and that it has always been like this. So it doesn't mean that I changed all my approaches. Mm-hmm. I changed my character, my personality, but I finally understood how it works how I work with certain situations. Yeah. So it was actually discussions where people always ask me why, 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 why do you do it like this? Why do you do it like that? What is your blah, blah, blah? And I was not able to satisfy them with my answers, but I was sitting there and I was actually not able to satisfy myself with the answers. And that's when I started the program for professional skills mm-hmm. and found out that it was not about professional skills because they were kind of okay. Um, they were pretty good, well developed, clear, but it was my, you know, my my person, uh, my personality, my my character, the way that I work, that I did not understand why I worked like this and that, and it helped me a lot to work on tools and structures in mm-hmm. order to understand myself much more. So I didn't do a personality program, whereas I have to tell you that I signed up last week for kind of. Um, a personality program um, 
which in, in, in many hours will tell you who you are as a personality. So I got much more interested into the topic topic because I see it also as an opportunity. I see it as an opportunity of behavioral change. We are creatures of behavior. This is my my clear belief. We are creatures of behavior. Where we come from is what we like. I like the mountains. I'm not afraid in the mountains. I'm not afraid in the forest, but I'm afraid in the ocean because I just know it. Yeah, I'm just accustomed to it. I'm used to it. So we are creatures of of uh, of behavior. Um, what we've done so far is what we are comfortable with doing. And in order to break out of that, you have to you have to use something. And what I used in the end was kind of professional skills. Mm-hmm. But now I understood that it's more about my personality and character. And this is why I go. I went last week directly into a program for understanding your own personality. Just understanding it, not developing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes such a long way. You know, Christine and I just recently finished on the Como Factor podcast, a series on Enneagram and really being able to understand, you know, what type you are and mm-hmm. and really leveraging that, you know, to be able to interact, strengthen your relationships with others and just having more self-awareness overall. One other point that you had noted about referencing, you know, Bob Proctor, and um, he said something about um, just getting this awareness as well on on how to leverage or employ our higher faculties, right, with yeah. which we've all been given. And I think the six that we had talked about the other day were perception, reason, will, memory, intuition, and uh is it imagination, uh, imagination or creativity? Um, tell us a little bit more about how that has um, come into play as well for you. Well, the point is actually that we always talk about the five senses that we have, yeah? be it mm. uh, the smell, the haptic and so on. Um, and we never think about the rest. Um, I obviously gained a bit of life experience by now as I had enough time to gain life experience (laughs) enough years. Um, So I found out that the big and wrong decisions that I took in my life, I always took against my intuition. And it was only twice where I had a big decision where I said, okay, that decision was wrong. But before taking the decision the wrong way, my intuition actually told me it's wrong. Don't do it. So I still did it. I had my learnings and this was why I worked a lot with uh, with intuition, so to say. I, I read about it. What is intuition? Um, there's a thousand different definitions out there if you ask anyone. But in the end, it seems that intuition is the highest form of intelligence that, you know, takes all your experience and your knowledge that is conscious and subconscious with you from all the years that you have and that you might not even be able to remember and takes it into one decision, one direction it gives you and it shows you. And generally I had to learn that I can rely on my intuition. When my intuition says it's good, just go in, even if you don't know all the factors, even if it's not a clear situation for you, just go in, just do it, just try it. You will see. And uh, this is, I guess, where I'm standing today because (laughs) what we talked about and uh, when we met in Bucharest, we talked a lot about the development of myself in the last one, two years. I always say I stumbled into everything. Um, Also, after the program I did from March to June, I have to say, like, I didn't stumble into it. It was completely strategically. It was just, I did not see it that way, yeah? but I very much followed my intuition. I would like to talk about how it began. So 
you know, when you began your university studies, you're studying um, uh, international business. What vision at that time did you have for your career? You know, you talk about, well, you, 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 you know, some people perceived it as you stumbled into things. Now you have this clarity that, that no, that's not the case. You're, you're very um, highly in tune with your intuition, but I'm curious, what, what was your vision back then when you started university? I mean, the one thing that I always said is I want to go international. Mm -hmm. I want to go abroad. I want to work abroad. I want to, you know, kind of gather get experience, international experience. This is the only thing I always said. I never aspired to a certain position. I never aspired to position as a managing director, as a CEO and so on. So and that was never a goal for me um, because that's kind of just the name for a function that you have. For me, it was much more important to go out, go international and learn something and see different things. So if you look into my CV nowadays, you might say that my CV is not very typical. Um, but the experience that I have is a very broad one. Um, I'm not a specialist in anything. Um, I might be a specialist in Romania right now because it's like I've been there for seven years and it's been the past seven years. Um, so in terms of that, I understand it very well, how it works, what you can do there and so on. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely, I, I, I hear this. I mean, you're absolutely one of a kind and you're embracing that. And I see that kind of as an outsider looking in, I see that holistically in your life you say oh i want to experience international and then you say oh i want to you know learn to ride a motorcycle competitively and you do both of those to the absolute maximum you know i thought i was doing pretty good living abroad in two countries i mean how many countries have you lived in um lived in uh or worked one, two, in two three four five six seven seven i guess uh, that's the ones that i've lived in and i guess about 20 i've worked in yeah so you, so you been, take everything been... yeah it's all to the to the maximum but listeners i mean for our listeners here life is so short you've got to make sure what you're doing is something that you enjoy if you're getting up every day and you hate your job you hate your boss whatever that environment is Maybe this podcast will inspire you to think of a different path. Yeah, but one thing that is really funny for you now is, um, and I see myself as talking really calm, that is a development that only happened in the last half a year, I guess. Ah. <laughs> I was always much more, I was like boasting out and bursting of energy. Um, and I guess also with what I've done in the last half a year, I understood much more that you have to, you know, you have to use your energy wisely and be even more focused than I always was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I like that. I mean, I'm hearing the energy right now. So if this is a toned down version of energy, I'm, <laughs> I'm even more impressed. <laughs> Let's go. Even more impressed. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So, so you start your career, you know, you want to be international. Could you tell us a, a, maybe a story about one of your early opportunities where you jumped in and just said yes and you're so glad that you did that because that decision changed the course of your life well one thing that i've done is i don't know i'm a huge fan i don't know if we're allowed to do advertisement here but i'm a huge fan of bmw cars um, i really like mm -hmm. the cars i really like what they spread the dynamics uh, the energy they spread and so on so i always said i want to work with bmw 
And I studied at the university where at my university studied the uh, business administration studies. We had to do a practical semester and I always said, I always said, so we had to do an internship and I said, I'm going to do it with BMW. That actually happened and that was a complete uh, game changer. So I, I went to BMW to an engine factory in Austria and I said, I want to do it here. Um, they had an interview with me. Obviously, I was very determined. He said, like, you know, you really wanted to do that. Uh -huh. And I said, yes, that was the case. And when I when before they, they, they let me go again, they said, like, you know, um, actually, it sounds very interesting, but it's not right now as you think, but we would like to have you in half a year. And I said, no problem at all, not knowing what I say there, not knowing what I do. So I went back to my university, um, met a friend of mine. He said he's going abroad for half a year. <laughs> and I said, well, that's a glorious idea. So I went abroad um, and I went to my university and I was like, where do you have kind of any kind of studying position right now? And they said, yeah, well, we have a new university in, in Sweden. Uh, we don't know yet what it is like. We don't know what you can study there. And I said, that's perfect. I'll go there. <laughs> so this oh is how goodness. I ended up being for half a year in Sweden, studying in Sweden, actually at the Jönköping International Business School, which I loved very much. It was a great half year. And then I returned to BMW and that was this de determination that I went to BMW was a game changer in what happened afterwards. So the whole path afterwards was changed by that. But um, I did not necessarily need to go back to BMW because I had achieved my goal. Yeah, it's like kind of checked and been there, done that. Um, so I didn't, I did not have to go to, you know, BMW in Munich or something like that. Uh, but it was a game changer in what happened afterwards and uh, how I got from my university, called me back after a pretty cool project there. Because all I thought was like, you know, you can't do anything that is like normal. You have to do something that is a bit different that raises attention. So that's what I did. So my university said, that's so cool. You have to present it. So I presented it at university and coming down from the stage, from the presentation, two companies offered me a job. <laughs> oh, my God. So all of that path, you know, one thing leads to the next. And uh, just be open to it. I love your story. I mean, you're you're so young. You would have been in your twenties, I guess. When, I'm twenty nine. Um, yes, twenty nine plus. Yeah, when when <laughs> when all this happens, and it, you know, do you ever? Because I just see you, and it seems like you you have this proclivity to just say yes for all these adventures. Do you ever have self doubt about? I mean, you mentioned the two times when you went against your intuition, but other than that. Do you ever have self-doubt or you just innately, you see, you have clarity, you see that it can be successful and you, and you jump in and you create that success? I think the one thing that is important is that you work with the situation and I take my mm -hmm. time, whereas maybe taking my time is much faster than much quicker than others. But I'll take my time to have a look at something for three months um, and uh I can also do something for two years and then take the decision on 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 spot after two years to go deep into that um, self doubt. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. I mean, I screwed up here and there, <laughs> no question. And you, and and I get I get kind of usually I only get angry with myself. Um, so I'm really angry about myself how I could get into that situation, how I could screw up so big time. In the end, like 15, 20 years back, when that happened the first time really hard, when I had my really first hard learnings in life, I actually tried to understand this as an opportunity to learn something, to take failure as an opportunity to learn. And that's what it 
actually was for me then. So I really turned it into that and this is what helped me to get out of it. So self-doubt, yes, of course it's there. Um, but dig into it, why it is there, what it is, and think about what you can do to change it. It's, it's excellent advice and and, uh, and I agree with you. I think some of our, our biggest lessons come from our biggest failures. So we have to yes, take that definitely. time to you know, to, to learn. So you, you really do. I see you having some pretty extreme wisdom in your younger years. Did you ever have uh, mentors or, you know, people that poured into your life that really may yes, either were role definitely. models for you or, or coached you? How, how did that, could you share a little bit about that? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, for me now, looking back, um, I come from a very, I come from a good family, but from a very simple family. So uh, money was not an issue in our family because he was simply not there. So um, I came from very simple uh, situation, big family, and I was the first one who graduated from university, which was a pure thing of will. And I pushed through really hard in minimum studying time and so on. So it was like really hard. And how was I able to do that? Um, it was my parents. So the first ones that I really would like to thank is my parents because they opened uh, my view on the world. They opened my horizon. My father was always um, trying to go international, also trying to do, you know, to travel international. And this was how he awakened my curiosity about going international. And that's what actually happened. So my parents definitely, they gave me a secure and warm home. They gave me the opportunity to develop. Um, you don't need money to develop. You need will to develop mm -hmm. money. Um, and that was the, the starting point. But then in my life, I definitely met different people. And I have to tell you that in, in what I'm doing in the past years, um, I, have, um, I have a guy from Vienna, Alexander, and he knows about it. I told him he's one of my biggest mentors. And he, in terms of professional uh, development, he was the one giving me a lot of advice. But then there is Vienna, um, a person that is actually from Bucharest and uh, from Germany and, and lived in Bucharest and for quite some time. And he gave me an advice on more an esoteric level. Um, I'm not esoteric at all, who knows me? But he brought it to me in a very, very clear way. And he told me, Gerrit, it's time for change. You have to do it now. <laughs> so it's like you know those those people also help you to do it or or John and Astique from from Seattle and Barcelona who who helped me from from March to June with that program. Um, so there's a lot of people out there, um, and obviously also kind of my brother who has a personality or had a personality. Unfortunately, he died three years ago, uh, but had a personality Sorry. which was completely different to mine. And looking back, I can learn a lot from him. So, um, but you can achieve a lot. So, yes, I had a lot of people around me, uh, or several people. I actually talk with every two, three months, and I really ask for advice. And they are not, you know, they're not, um, they're not yes sayers. So they don't tell me what I want to hear, but they really tell me what they think in that situation. That's a true friend. Will tell yeah. you what you need to hear not necessarily yeah. what you want to hear. And we all yeah. need that. Some moments you need a good slip. Huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. So. And so, so you've got, you've got mentors, you've got uh, people around, you've surrounded yourself by wise counsel 
that uh, is going to tell you what you what you need to hear. Um, any other advice that that you might give to our listeners? Maybe maybe someone whether they're early in their career and and trying to to figure out their first steps, or you know maybe they're mid career and they're recognizing you know the world is changing and they need to evolve and adapt in order to mm. progress to their you know full potential what kind of advice would you give uh, our listeners on that based on your life experience well what i've done professionally and also in sports and especially in that in the longest and uh, toughest hard and do race um what i've always done i've talked to myself um, so I just recommend to anyone to to look into the mirror, talk to yourself. Um, if you need it, start talking in the forest because that's what I did when I did the race where I was completely exhausted and it looked like, you know, you're never going to uh, come to the finish. Um, it's called positive programming. Um, just mm -hmm. program yourself positive. Think positively about things. Look forward to what you can see. If, uh, you know, if right now, you know, if the... Uh, the going is tough. <laughs> mm -hmm. They say the tough gets going. So if the going gets tough, um, think forward, think to where you can, uh, where, where you will arrive, um, the, the good moments that you will have afterwards. And with the same thing, say to yourself that you've learned something today again. So it was a good day and the day was not in vain. Um, so I think it's it's rather positive mindset. If you have a positive mindset, you can achieve something. That's that's great advice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Garrett, as we're as we're winding down, I just want to ask you if you could rewind the clock to a younger version of yourself, maybe yes. 20 years ago. And that's that's going to be, you know, very young because you're only in the first third of your life right now or you just finished it. So <laughs> if you could rewind that clock and you could write yourself a postcard. What would you tell your younger self and why? Well, I would just tell myself the future is bright. Um, go for it um, and and um, more or less indulge in your in your feelings, in your wishes, in your dreams. Um, don't don't get stopped by anyone. Um, if you ask me today, I would maybe to take two decisions in 51 years of life, I would take two decisions differently. And one of the decisions is definitely if I if I could redo it um, at university time, I would have founded my first company. Mm. That's the only thing that I would have done, even if I would have, you know, really messed up and created a big mistake, big failure or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would have done it um, and I should have done it. I think it would have been good for my development, um, but don't regret because it doesn't help you. Um, I mean, your past is your past. It's behind you, so you can you can bury it. But the past shaped you. Um, but I think the only thing that you can shape right now is how you are in the present and uh, what how you shape your future. So just go for the future. So the only thing I would do is like be more experimental. Um, and I I think that one of and definitely my very best presentation and I've been 50 to 70 times on, on stage in different ways um, every year. So I think one of the best speeches I ever gave and I gave it twice only so far was about growing up and being mature. 
and growing up is more or less the young kid with the curiosity, which always wants to see something new, but being mature is being respectful and all the other vectors that are there. And I think, you know, keep your keep your inner child. Play. Don't don't grow up. Do not grow up. Just be mature, act maturely. And I think this is one of the big advices for me. Um, and everybody who knows me personally knows that there's still a kid in me. <laughs> My mom always says to me, Gert, when are you finally going to grow up? And I always say to her, hopefully never, mom. <laughs> that is that is beautiful. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I'm I'm really excited about this episode. There's so many nuggets of wisdom in here and, and you've really you've given all of us something to think about. And I love this. You know, we don't need to grow up. We need to be mature but not to lose our inner child. And, and if I recall, you've got a book coming out, uh, Work Hard and, and Party Hard. What's the date of that book launch again? <laughs> well, let's see. I guess I have to fill it with more life, with more content, with more chapters. And uh, we're only at chapter 11, and I guess the book has 18 chapters. No, I don't know. Uh, we will see. I, I guess um, writing an autobiography, if then you have to have a certain position in order to do it, in my opinion, that's the one thing. And the second thing is you should actually do it rather towards the end of all your achievements and not uh, in the middle of everything because it sounds so final. So like closing everything. Yeah. And I'm not doing I that. that. <laughs> okay. Well, one day um, when this does get published and I have no doubt with the way you work, it will get published and it'll be like a bestseller. Uh, Sonal and I are going to request right now that we get a signed copy. Of course you will. Of course, there's no question about it. Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. Gerd, you definitely have the Como Factor. So keep letting it shine. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Como Factor podcast today. We hope you got something out of our time together. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please follow us on social media share it with your community, and give us a like. That's all for today. And until next time, don't forget that you've got the Como Factor. Today's episode is sponsored by the Como Club. With the holidays right around the corner or the next big occasion, it's time to start thinking about gifts. What do you give to the person who has everything? This year, give them an experience that they will remember forever. Murder at the French Farmhouse is a one-of-a-kind murder mystery game created by Como. This premium game transforms dinner parties into thrilling, immersive experiences that people will remember for years. Visit thecomoclub.com and use promo code PODCAST to get 15% off your order today.